bring a Bible? Let's get into the scriptures, Acts chapter 6, if you would, please. Hallelujah. Such a joy to be here and to be back. Love this house. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Aren't you glad to be saved? You know, I'm amazed. Even people that are living in darkness anymore are saying, boy, it's getting dark out. Even the sinners are like, man, there's a lot of sin around here. What's going on in our nation? Amen. Here in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, we'll, we'll read this uh, together. And it says this, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, it gives the name of them, some who were disputing with Stephen. It says, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Amen. Hallelujah. This verse has always meant everything to me. I guess the expression has meant the world to me. You know, I don't mean worldliness, but, um, you know, I was, I graduated from Central Michigan University. I was married. I had a, a son, had a daughter. I was called into the ministry and I didn't have 10 cents to my name. I know that's never happened to anybody else, but that's where I was. Amen. We're living in that trailer through no fault of anybody else, just kind of my own. But, you know, when the spirit of poverty comes into your life, it doesn't ask you what your qualifications are. It's just a tax. Amen. Right. Begins to strip everything away from you. And um, I was called to the ministry. The Lord spoke to me, said, I want you to teach. And I, I was talking to the Lord about that because nobody was asking me to teach. I just knew that I was supposed to one day. You know, God will talk to you a long ways in advance. I didn't realize it'd be so far in advance, but hallelujah. And uh, I was going through my trailer one night. Janine was already asleep and I was walking through the trailer. Didn't take but about five steps. So it's not like I was on a long walk. <laughs> Can we just all be real? Is that all right? Look, I tell you, I, I preach where the rubber hits the road. If you're waiting for fancy Greek and Hebrew, wait for Pastor Willoughby to bring in somebody besides me. Amen. I'm not that guy. Hallelujah. But in, in that environment, the Lord spoke to me. He said, go get your Bible and sit down. Let's talk for a minute. Now, I was blown away. The Lord would say something like that to me. And I opened my Bible, and that verse I just read to you is the verse he gave me. And I bowed my head, and I said, God, where? Where did Stephen learn to walk with you like this? How did he get to where he could preach? And even his enemies couldn't contend with the wisdom. Say wisdom. Wisdom isn't just a lot of knowledge. He didn't just know things. You understand, Stephen's a deacon. He came into this church and he begins to take care of the widows. He's not a Bible scholar. Does that make sense to you? He's there working with his hands. And in that atmosphere, as he begins to work and take care of those widows, God puts a wisdom on him and he begins to heal the sick. He isn't just giving them food and bread anymore. He's healing them. That's pretty good business. When your usher gets you healed before pastor has the altar call, that's all right with me. Hallelujah. Amen. I like to say God will fill the whole house, not just some people. Amen. And then the Bible goes on here and it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, and he had this wisdom. Go with me to Acts chapter 7, 54. Because I began to read this whole account. Now, we're going to kind of launch from here. I know I refer to this verse 
a lot when I preach, but you just stick with me. I might say something smart. God's pretty big. Amen. 54, Stephen finishes preaching. It says, and when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. He was so convicting, say convicting. Churches anymore want a preacher, but they don't want a convicting preacher. They want a happy preacher. They want a fun preacher. Amen. They're not looking for a convicting preacher. Amen. Listen, we have a whole nation now that needs a convicting preacher. Can you say amen? There was a day when I was a young man, you turn on the TV and there'd be evangelists on there with their Bible and the ribbon going side to side as they went. I remember one guy was down in Honduras and he filled an entire soccer stadium, we would call it. When he gave the altar call, literally half that stadium left and came down to the altar and received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Boy, I'd sure like to have some more of that in the body of Christ. Can you say amen? That's a convicting preacher. That's not entertainment. That's not entertainment. And it says here, and he was cut to the heart. That's when I bowed my head. I said, God, where did Stephen get this? Where did he learn to preach like that? Where did he get these signs and wonders? Where's this Bible school? Where does a modern preacher go to? Where can a Christian go to to find the move of the spirit that I can learn to walk with you that way? That's when the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, Stephen didn't go to a Bible school. Read it for yourself. Now, there's nothing wrong with Bible school. I went to Dr. Barclay's Bible school all three years. Amen? Not against that. I'm just saying in addition to that. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, if you would, please. Verse 37. We're going to kind of, again, we're going to launch from here. This is when Peter gets out of the upper room and he gets done preaching it says this, um, verse 36, it says, And therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God, God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the... Do you notice it's the exact same res result as when Stephen preached it? And that's when the Lord dealt with me. He said, son, notice Stephen picked it up from Peter. Stephen preached they were cut to the heart. Peter preached they were cut to the heart. Jesus preached, they were cut to the heart. There's an old expression the Pentecostals used to have, meaning saying that the things of the Spirit are caught, not taught. Say that with me. The things of the Spirit are caught, not taught. Let's find that in the Scriptures. Is that all right with you? I love the Pentecostals, but I don't want to live my life according to everything they did. Amen. Go with me to, to Matthew, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says, And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said to him, Some say you're John the Baptist, Nice try. Some say you're Elijah, just a bit outside. Others, Jeremiah, nope, and, and others, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered. Now, anytime Peter speaks in scripture, it's, brother, it, you got to brace yourself. You don't know this guy can be right. He can be, he's like a light switch. He's either red hot or nothing at all. There's no in between with this guy. This day he gets it right. 
It says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Then he goes on and he says, this is how I'm going to do everything with the church. Here's my question. When Peter said to Jesus, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, had Jesus ever taught him that? Had Jesus ever said, everybody sit down, here's the three-point sermon on who I am, the Messiah? No, he caught what Jesus hadn't taught. He didn't get it from the preacher. He got it from the preacher's God. Does this make sense? The things of the spirit are caught, not taught. I can't teach you everything you need to know for your grace and your anointing and what God wants to do, but you'll catch the spirit of it. If you'll get in the environment where the Holy Spirit's moving, you'll pick up how the Holy Spirit moves. I can't, my, my wife Janine probably, I think, gave the best example I've ever heard on any of this. She's, my wife, we raised our two kids. She had a daycare in our home for 23, 25 years, something like that. It seemed like an eternity, but it was for a while. And she was working with the children in our group, in our church. And one of the young mothers had a couple of, she had three children. She said, Janine, could I come with you? And would you mentor me? Would you help me learn how to raise children the way you're raising children? Janine said, she said, yes. Yeah. She said, but I can't do it with you over coffee. She said, huh? She said, I, I meet, meet you at Starbucks. She said, I can start there, but that doesn't do it. She said, if you want to learn what I do, meet me Saturday morning. I'm coming to the church. I got my own key, my own entrance. I got to go in there. We'll have a conference coming up. I'm going to take all the toys. I'm going to sanitize them. I got to take down all the decorations. I got to put up new decorations. There's cutouts to be made. There's outlines to be made. I got to get organized. Get that. I can teach you what I do, but I can't do it to you over coffee. Come on. Come on. You got to get, you got to get involved here. You got, you know what I'm talking about? You got to learn the pace of life. You got to learn how things get done. You got to see the, the nuts and bolts, the brass tacks of how things work. I can't, a classroom isn't going to suffice and a lecture for you to get what God has given me. I can't do it with you overnight. And I can't do it with you over one message. It takes more. Say more. It's not that what you're doing is bad, but you just need more of it. Amen. If I had my vehicle, okay, my vehicle's back at the hotel. I take my, my key fob out. You know, a lot of cars now, they don't actually have a key. They just have that little remote. Lock on lock, right? And so if I take my key fob out of my briefcase and I hit the unlock and lock button on my vehicle, it won't work. Not because there's something wrong with the key fob, not because there's something wrong with the vehicle, I'm too far away. If I'll get closer, it'll work. Nothing's broken. The distance is the issue. It works for everybody, but you got to get closer. Sometimes we'll have a bonfire in my house and my grandkids will come over. I'll take wood. I have a little wood wood uh, pit out back, a fire pit out back. I'll put all the wood there. I'll light it before they all get there so it's kind of at the right size by the time everybody gets there. When they get out of the car, the grandkids will see the fire, but they don't feel any heat yet. It's not that there isn't heat. You can't feel it from there. There's marshmallows, there's s'mores, there's chocolate, there's grams, 
and church is dismissed. <laughs> There's all of the elements that it takes to have the bonfire, but you can't do it there. You got to get over here. If you want the warmth of the fire, if you want the effects, you got to get closer. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with the fire. It's that gap you got to close. The things of the Spirit are caught. They're not taught. I can't teach them to you over there. You got to get here. Consider. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Why didn't he just say, come to the meetings? Everybody else came to the meetings. Nothing wrong with coming to the meetings. Please come to the meetings. You're going to hear the Beatitudes in the meetings. You're going to, you're going to get the word sown in your heart in the meetings. But if, I, if you want me to take you from a fisherman, Simon, and you want to become Peter, you can't do it this far away. You got to row boats. You got to come early. You got to set the crowds in groups of 50s and 100s. I can't turn you into an apostle of the Lamb if you're going to just come hear the word on occasion. You got to get closer and catch. Peter caught what Jesus hadn't taught. But you can't get it just coming to the meetings. I can't make you a water walker if you're never in the boat with me. I can't take you to the Mount of Transfiguration if you're never going to be in prayer with me. I can't get you where you're supposed to be by God's design if you're going to stay here. You got to take that step. You draw near to God. God draws near to you. Consider, consider. When Elijah wanted to raise up Elisha, that young farm boy, why didn't he say, come to the school of the prophets? Elijah's teaching the school of the prophets. He's the only teacher in the school of the prophets. It's not a bad school. There's not bad doctrine. Because farm boy, if you're going to be the next prophet, you got to get closer. You got to get closer. You want a greater anointing? You want a truer walk with God? You want to know about Jesus Christ? You got to get where the brass tacks happen. Amen? You, you, you got to make sense? You got to get focused. You got to get involved here. You got to get engaged here with what we're doing. I can't teach you this as long as you just stay over there. The fire's burning. Car's got electricity. The key fob has a battery in it. But what's happening, we're not connecting with this distance. We got to close this gap. We got to close this gap if you're going to walk with God. Can you say amen? The, the problem isn't that you're not called, you're called. The problem isn't that God doesn't love you. God does love you. The thing is, is you, there's certain things you can't catch from the fringes. You got to get busy in the middle of what Jesus Christ is doing. Can, are you with me this morning? The things of the Spirit are not, it'll take teaching, but I can't teach you all of it. Pastor Barkley was down in Durham, North Carolina. I'll never forget. It was a busy, busy church. They had zero helps ministry. I mean, I'm everything, sister. You know what I'm talking about? I'm the, I'm everything but the worship team because you don't want me being the worship team. Do you ever remember those guys on the corner? They used to have the, the drum on their stomach and then they have the little harmonica they blow on and the little cymbals on their legs and 
They do this. Man, that was me that night. I mean, I'm the catcher. I'm the line maker. I'm, I'm a one man band. I'm setting up the book table. I'm, I'm selling the CDs, the old tapes back in that time. And just, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm it. If you want to know who does, me. What is your job description? Everything. Evidently, everything. And in that environment, I'm talking to God about how to, how to hear his voice and praying along these lines. In that environment, pastors prophesying. I mean, people are stacked all over the place. And he stops and he says, I see a hammer in the spirit going to shatter demonic forces off of a person. And the second he said that, I knew in the spirit where he's going. Now, you can call that freaky if you want. It surprised me, too. He started to make a beeline for the right-hand side, second aisle over here. And before he got there, I was already at the corner. I had to stop and let him pass me because I said, it's not good if I beat the prophet to the prophecy. <laughs> but I knew where the man of God was going. And when he, when he got there, I stopped. I let him pass me by. And then there was wood pews back in that church. Then I ran around behind and, and I caught that sister. As soon as he touched her, I was already behind her. But I knew where he was going. Love it. And I realized I'm getting it. I'm catching it. I don't have it all the time and I don't have it perfect. You know, Peter walked on water. People put him down, but he didn't make it very far, but he got a taste. You get a taste of the power of God. You get a taste of the anointing. You cast out one demon, you're looking for a hundred more. You get one person healed, you see the power of God begin to move and manifest. I'll never... <laughs> I'll never forget in Uganda one time we were standing there and we had had our service that night and we were all done. And, and um, I was off the, the platform already. And uh, we had been teaching on the ministry of helps that week. And uh, I, I looked back and this lady approached the guys who were kind of closing up their helps team. And, and, um, <laughs> and she came up front and they laid hands on her and she hit the ground and started slithering like a snake right across that front. Well, before I could even get there, because I was a ways away, I, man, I headed up the stairs. Before I could get there, those two ushers cast that demon out of that lady, and she sat up straight. Come on. They caught during the week what we had been teaching. They don't need me anymore. They got their own deliverance services going. They don't need the preacher. They got this. That's what happened to Peter. They, they, he saw what Jesus had. He caught, say caught. He figured out what Jesus was talking about, and eventually, now he didn't do it all right. You ever, I didn't ride the bike the first time perfect. You fall sometimes. You think something's right. It's not right. You hit a corner, and you don't turn just right. But boy, if you'll get up, just keep going. You'll figure this out. You can walk with God. You can know the voice of the Almighty. Stephan, Stephan caught it from Peter. Peter caught it from Jesus. But you got to get closer. Moses caught it from Jethro. Elijah caught it from Elijah. Uh, sorry, Elisha caught it from Elijah. On and on this goes. Joshua caught it from Moses. You got to get where the, where the Holy Spirit's moving and catch that anointing. That's it. And get busy with what God's doing. I was, pastor was preaching up in northern Michigan. I got to Dr. Barclay's house in the afternoon and I would get there and I'd wash his car and clean it, take it to the um, gas station and fill it. So it was all ready for the man of God. And, and I was going to drive him to the meeting. And when I got to his garage, I looked at his shop back 
You know, a shop back cord is like only good to do one side of the car. Then you got to unplug it, wheel it around the other side and, and shop back the other side. Pastor had taken the cord that came with the shop back. It's going to sound crazy. Just stay with me here. He had taken the cord that came with the shop back. He took it off. He took an extension cord, cut off the end, took the, the raw wires and directly, I would say, hardwired it onto that shop back. So it had about a 50-foot extension cord on it now. I could go around and around that car. I stood there. That was in 1991. I stood there and I said, you can do that. You can change everything in your life so it works for you. And I took that idea and I began to put it in everything in my life. That it didn't matter who else it didn't work for, it worked for me. When they, when they came into my office and they said, Ray, you know, when you get a lot of phone calls, what do you need? I said, I need a second desk with another phone on it. And I took it and I, in my office. I had one desk against the wall. It had a phone. And then I had my primary phone on my second desk. And then when I had to call somebody and they put me on hold, I just throw that on speaker. And I'd make six more calls before that guy ever picked up again. And I took care of both of them all at the same time. You know where I got that from? That shop back that day. That shop back that day. Pastor came to me one time. When, when I first hired on, you have to understand, he, had, he didn't have an airplane. He had one. They had to sell it. Some things had gone bad. You ever have things just not work out the way you thought? Some things had gone right, wrong. One of the staff made a mistake. And so Pastor had to sell his airplane, and he was in between things. So there wasn't... Extra money. I don't know what extra money is, but we certainly didn't have it if there, whatever that is. <laughs> and so they hired me in and I, I kept lawn, mowing lawns nights and weekends. And um, pastor said to me, he said, well, how's it going with the lawn mowing when you're not preaching or, or sorry, when you're not working in the ministry? I said, well, it's, it's good, but it's, it's fall of the year. And it's hard now because it gets dark so early. You know what I'm talking about? Seven o'clock, sometimes it'd be dark. I'd have more lawns to mow than I had daylight. I had the energy to do it, but I couldn't get to them. It was too dark out. This is what he said. He said, go down to the car parts store. Get yourself a fog light kit for a car, so many feet of wire, and a switch, and meet me with your, with your lawnmower over at my house. I had a walk behind lawnmower. So he came over, you know, from his days in the military, when you make bombs, you just learn how to wire everything, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I assume that's where he figured it out. I don't know that for sure. Don't quote me on that part. But he took those two fog light kits. He loosened up two bolts. He found on that lawnmower, one on the left side, one on the right side, tightened the belt back down again. He took a wire, ran it to that switch, ran it down to the battery. I could work until midnight if I wanted to. That shop back idea has made me thousands and thousands well, I wouldn't do that. I don't care if it worked for you. I care if it worked for me. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work for you. It works for me. I don't have to run my life according to what works for everybody else. It has to work for... Say, where'd you learn that? Vacuuming my pastor's car. Because the things of the spirit are not... That wasn't something I picked up in SMTR. 
It was something I got from being around the man of God. My Bible school was his left shoulder. Wherever he was, I was. That's where I went to Bible school. I went to SMTI. I graduated from SMTI. But where I learned ministry was in Durham, North Carolina, being a one-man band. Vacuuming his car. Helping him. He came in my office one time and he shut the door. That's always a nervous situation. <laughs> came in my office one day and he shut the door behind him and he sat down. And he said, I want you to help me buy an airplane. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't go to airplane purchasing classes. How about you? But we took these principles of David and his mighty men, and we bought a jet with it. Do you understand? He didn't manipulate people. He didn't con people. He didn't, he didn't go sell wood from the cross. Come on. Come on. Come on. Spring water in the, in the Jordan River. He didn't have a carpet he'd pray on. If you'd pray on your carpet, you bought He went to his knees in prayer and heaven began to move. I came into his hotel. Uh, uh, we were in Chicago he, um, preaching. He was preaching for Pastor Ed Weiss and he came. We, he always gave me a key to his room so I could come and go and he didn't always have to come answer the door. Knock a couple of times and he just yelled, come on in. And he was usually on the phone. And uh, so then I, I just key in. Well, I, I knocked a couple times and hit the door. I didn't realize when, it, when you get to Chicago it was an hour difference and I hadn't set my watch back. So I was an hour early. And there he was by the side of his bed with the, with the bedding pulled back and a pillow on his face. And I said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. He said, Ray, I'm desperate for an airplane. I've got to have an airplane. I can't help all of these churches and build ours if I, if I can't get a plane. That so hit my heart to see that man of God in need. We went back and we, I talked to the staff and we began to make some calls and contact people. In a day, we raised about $35,000, $40,000. That became enough money for the down, down payment on the airplane, not because of me, but because people caught sight of how desperate the man of God was to have what he needed. But I can't teach that in a class. You catch the heart for, I want to help this man. David, David said, I wish I had water from the well. The Lord asked me one time, he said, when David said, I wish I had the water, did those men have water? I said, no, Lord, they didn't. He said, then the power came to help him go get the water that David needed. They didn't want the water for them. They wanted it for him. God anointed them to go get what David, what he needed, not what they needed. The power came to go get what wasn't there. But if you're not around the man of God, when he says, I wish I had some water, then God will never use you to help make the miracle come to pass. Does this make sense to anybody here on a Sunday morning? The things of the spirit are not, you got to be around. Pastor God, is it okay if I just testify? Is that all right? Yes. Pastor got in my car one time and he was running some errands and called me first thing in the morning. I'm going to pray for some of you here in a little bit. Just give me a minute. He, 
he called me in the morning. He said, you know, Ray, he said, I want, I want to run some errands down in Saginaw. It's about a half hour from Midland. Didn't have a whole lot of stores, right? Fairly limited inventory. So he would go to Saginaw to do a lot of buying. It's better now, but back at that time, if you wanted a restaurant, expect a 30-minute drive to get to one. And so he called me in the morning. He said, um, he said, meet me down at such and such a place. And he said, and then I'm going to drop off my vehicle, get some work done on it. You and I can go run some errands. We'll talk. You bring the invitations and things we got to talk about. We had a moving office. That, that would happen to me all the time. He, was, he invented multitasking. Amen. Before there was ever cell phones and games, he was doing 6,000 things all at one time. So I, I got in my car and I went down there and I, I met with him. And he got in my car and I apologized. I said, Pastor, I'm sorry, I don't have a nice car. I, I, yeah, I had a Pontiac Sunbird. If, if it rained on the outside, it rained on the inside. I put silicone on everything. I could never find that dumb leak. And when he got in, I apologized. I said, Pastor, I'm sorry I don't have a nice car. I know to take care of the man of God, but this is the best I got. And he, he said this to me. He said, I don't care that it's not fancy. He said, could you vacuum it? <laughs> and I'm living in a trailer. Now, I had a carport and it blew off. And the, and the insurance company wanted to total the whole trailer off of the price of repla replacing the, the carport. So I started to say, look, I don't have a garage, not alone a shop vac. You know what I mean? No offense, but it's kind of like, look, everybody ain't you. I ain't got this kind of process. I know nobody thinks like this, just me, right? Don't you lie to me. Drag this whole church up front. Hallelujah. And I started to make excuse. And he said, if you took this car to the car wash, you know, those coin operated ones, could you use their vacuum? Well, yeah. He said, what would that cost you? I said, 50 cents. He said, do you have 50 cents? I said, yeah. He said, then it's not a money problem, is it, son? It's a stewardship issue. It's a stewardship issue. I found out God is huge on stewardship. Huge on stewardship. Over the course of time, most people know my son is now his pilot, right? He, when he just flew to Iowa, my son is his chief pilot. Not too long ago, they had to take the plane in for an annual inspection. They got it in for its annual inspection, and, and the maintenance shop said, of all of the Hawker jets of this era, this is the best maintained plane we have ever taken care of. Do you know where that kid learned to take care of that plane that way? Because my pastor said, Ray, vacuum your car. Don't live like this. My daughter works in labor and delivery as a nurse. She showed up for work a couple of years ago. And when she got there, the, another nurse had delivered the baby. Are, are you with me on a Sunday morning? Is this all right? See, I believe God sets up a win-win situation. My study is he is not just asking you to help his house. He will help your house. It's a win-win. If you will give to him, he will give to you. If you will take care of what's his, he will take care of what's yours. But you got to get closer. You got to get closer. 
So Kendra shows, my daughter shows up and she shows up for work and she's a nurse and the other nurse has already delivered the baby and it's laying there all wrapped up, you know, like a mummy so it can't walk away, I guess. I don't know, they can't move anyways. And uh, the, the, nurse, or the doctor is just leaving and my daughter's getting caught up with what's going on. And they're making the transition. So my daughter just walks over and she unswaddles that baby and begins to look it over. And the other nurse says, you know, you don't need to do that. Everything's fine. And she said, I'm just looking around. She said, well, how to get a mark on its toe? It's a little bluish red mark on one of the big toes. And she said, well, I don't know. She said, well, she didn't trip. She just got here. It's not like she stubbed her toe on the furniture. She just showed up. New, just out of the box, never been used before. <laughs> she said, well, she said, I don't know. And so my daughter quickly ran a couple of blood pressure tests, found out there was a heart problem, was overpressurizing on one side. I don't know all the medical terms. You called the doctor, said, you've got a problem here. They brought the doctor back, got the child into, into uh, another hospital with better, with better facilities to take care of an emergency situation, likely saved the child's life. Do you know where my daughter learned to do that? Because my pastor said, Ray, vacuum your car. Take care of what God has given you. Pay attention to life. Just don't go through the steps in life, but be good at what you do. Be excellent at what you do. Master, he used to say, Ray, master every sphere of life. When we travel, we should know everything about the airline. We should know everything about the hotel. We should know everything about the rental car. We should know which credit cards work best with which agencies and which insurance companies work best with that, whatever. So we're not overpaying and wasting God's money. Don't be good at what you do. Be great at what you do. Master every sphere of life and ministry. Brother, that got into me. That got into me. Those simple things taught from these scriptures, say the things of the Spirit, are caught. They're not taught. You get around a real man of God, you, you, you won't be with Pastor Willoughby long, and he'll begin to tell you what he learned from his pastor, what he caught from being in that atmosphere. Does this make sense to you on a Sunday morning? I get frustrated, you know, with my Janine and I were in South Africa. Um, my wife is from Cape Town and we're in South Africa and her father had bought us a um, tour of Kruger National Park. Kruger National Park isn't a zoo. You, it's like driving into nature. Lions are running around. Cheetahs are running around. Humans ought not to be running around. Right. Because everything is there. Right. That night we got a tour and he had paid for us to, to go. It was very kind of him. And he, they take you out on a Jeep and there's a guy with a gun, but you see more activity at night than you do during the day. You won't hear it because they're so quiet. Just like all of a sudden there's instant death. <laughs> right? I, did, I wasn't there, but there's a video you can see online where this lion just runs right up the back of a giraffe and grabs it by the throat. I mean, they're just instant, vicious. So you stay in the Jeep. So we're, we're going along. Are you still with me on a Sunday morning? Is that right? We're going along and the tour guide begins to talk about the different rhinos that are in the area. And I don't understand all the rhinos he did. And um, he looks at a pile of manure 
And he says, oh, he names what kind of rhinos in the area. My mother-in-law pipes up and says, how do you know which rhinos here from that? This guy stops down. He looks around a little bit. He, he stops the Jeep. He gets down. He walks over and he breaks open the manure. He said, you see what's in here? This rhino only eats these kinds of things. The other rhino eats other kinds of things. This guy has made such excellence out of manure. And we have ushers that don't know where the children's ministry is. Because we've not made excellence or mastered our sphere of life and ministry. And this guy can tell you from the manure pile what kind of rhinoceros is in the area. And we don't know the words to the songs. The things of the spirit are not, there's nothing wrong with the word, nothing wrong with you, but you got to close that gap. You got to close that gap. The truth is your pastor should almost be tripping over you all the time. There should be so many people volunteering, so many people helping with the children, so many people coming to clean. So many, why? Because we're gleaning of the spirit. We're gleaning of the spirit. We're gleaning of the spirit. He needs to go somewhere. I'm driving. She needs to do something. I show up. Why? Because I learn things in that atmosphere. Say, so what's the best thing I can do? Be quiet. Be quiet. Seems to be like a superpower anymore. Just be quiet. That's so good. You don't have to elite tall buildings at a single bound. You don't have to stop locomotives. Just shut up. Help your cause. Just don't say anything. Just learn and glean and see and listen to the man and woman of God. And watch God change you from Simon into Peter. I've said it many times. Jesus really didn't meet Peter he met Simon. He made Peter. He made Peter. Let Jesus turn you into who he wants you to be.